Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm Ryan Coonerty. Along with Debbie Cox Bolton of the New Deal, I'm lucky enough to be your co-host. An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an organization that supports the next generation of American leaders. From attorneys generals, to state senators, to mayors, to school board members, these are the people that are pushing policies and politics that will respond to climate change, rebuild our economy, address racial injustice, and restore our democracy. These are incredibly talented people who have dedicated themselves to public service when their country and their communities need it the most. Check out NewDealLeaders.org to see what I'm talking about. Mayor Johnson caught the public service bug at an early age when he was participating in a YMCA pre-college and service program for low-income Milwaukee public school students. He's now making history as the city's first Black elected mayor and bringing his lived experience growing up in Milwaukee to his decision-making and leadership. Since taking office in 2021, Mayor Johnson has prioritized public safety is also leaned in on creating meaningful mentorship opportunities for his city's youth. We talk about how federal investment rescued his city during COVID and allowed him to invest in much-needed housing to attract and retain talent. You're also not going to want to miss his thoughts on how best to reach his swing state's voters, as well as as they celebrate their 178th birthday, his vision for Milwaukee over the next 178 years. Hope you enjoy. All right, Mayor Cavalier Johnson, welcome to the Marble Profession. Thanks for having me on. So excited to talk to you today, coming from the great city of Milwaukee, one of my favorites in the country, actually. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit maybe about how you got into public service. You became mayor in 2021 by appointment when the mayor, I believe, was appointed ambassador, but you had been city council president. So you became mayor and then ran to finish his term and now running for re-election. But what kind of got you started in politics in the first place? What made you run for that very first office? That's an interesting question. So what got me interested in going into politics in the first place is a story that goes back really to elementary school, if I can pinpoint a a start. And I didn't know what it was exactly then. I just knew that I wanted to do something different. So when I was in fourth grade, I recall sitting on the porch of the home where we lived on 21st Street between Wright and Clark uh, here in the city of Milwaukee on the east side of the street and looking around as I sat on the porch myself that summer and thinking that I wanted more for myself. I wanted more for my family. I wanted more for my neighborhood. I wanted more for my city. And I didn't know that politics or going to the government was the answer to that, but I knew that something was going on. And I said that I wanted to behave differently and do things differently than what I was seeing uh, around me. So I pulled my pants up and decided to make sure that I focused in on school. And that sort of snowballed into this opportunity that I had uh, a few years later, where I was recruited into a pre-college program that was run by the YMCA of Metropolitan Milwaukee here. And the goal of the program was to get kids from low-income families in Milwaukee public schools to go off to be the first person in their family to go to college. And I did that. I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison and graduated there in 2009. But there was another piece of that program, though. The other part of that program is to get those same kids involved in public service and giving back uh, to their to their community. And I, for whatever reason, fell in love. 14-year-old me, teenage me just fell in love with helping people, helping seniors to rake leaves and shovel snow and all these service trips I've done, uh, whether to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, to 
Chile and South America to help refurbish the school for poor kids, to London to help at-risk youth, even you know back here in Milwaukee, helping kids get their first you know summer job or help older adults to retool their resumes who didn't have uh, access to computers. So I fell in love with the service aspect. And then 9-11 happened uh, months later after I got involved with the Y program. And I saw uh, President George W. Bush at the time go to the rubble uh, of the World Trade Center and really try to bring people together during that trying time for our country. And for whatever reason, in my 14-year-old brain, the light bulb just clicked. And I said, that's it. That's what I can do. I can go into uh, government. I can have a career there. And I can serve people like I fell in love with doing at the YMCA. And that just sort of snowballed into where we are now. Yeah. I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, what, one of the things I love about it is that sense of community, right? Whether it's your community just within the Milwaukee city limits you're talking about of who you help, but also this feeling that we could bring the country together. It feels like that's such a missing piece of our politics right now. This sense of, I mean, I actually think that most people want that and yearn for that. And, you know, that's what makes this country greater, the sense of community that we help each other. But it feels like sometimes politics are pulling are pulling apart in that. And, and I want to I want to circle back on that. But, but before and ask you a little bit about politics and and how we do bring people together. But but first, I want to stay on just being mayor a little bit when you became mayor and, and announced that you were going to have an overriding goal of building a safer city. So fast forward uh, a couple years now, you've been mayor. Tell us maybe first why that was your overriding goal, if that's right, and kind of how you how you've gone about that. Yes, it had been my number one goal and remains to be my number one goal is to work on issues around public safety in Milwaukee. I mean, when you ask the average Milwaukee what their number one concern uh, is in the city, it's around area, it's around the area of public safety. Uh, and the number two will probably be a subset of that same category. So folks are, con- are concerned and rightly so. And I thought it was my responsibility as mayor to take on that challenge because that's what the vast majority of people in all neighborhoods across the city we're concerned about and how have we gone about it? We've gone about uh, addressing the issue of public safety in a myriad of ways. So certainly the police are a big part of uh, any public safety apparatus that you'll have uh, and the fire department uh, to an extent as part of that apparatus too. So we work to secure the financial stability of the city, which was on a probably 20, 30 year runway to a cliff that was going to fall off right as I was uh, taking office as mayor. So we worked in a bipartisan way with our legislature. We got that fixed. And now we're in the position where we're actually adding police uh, and adding fire services after many, many years of cuts uh, to both of those services. But it's not just the police department. There's other areas here as well that are equally as important. That's areas such as mentorship and youth programs, uh, much like the ones that I participated in when I was a young person. So we corral the youth serving organizations here in Milwaukee and make it so that people who live here uh, in our community know about the opportunities that are available to them. Because really, we are a resource-rich community, but we have to work to make sure that folks know about those opportunities. So we use one of our youth-serving organizations to be sort of like the connective tissue. If you have any questions about a young person's you know, desire to get involved in something positive in the city, you don't have to research it. Just dial this number, reach out to Safe and Sound, for instance, and they'll help to connect you uh, with whatever organization or a number of organizations uh, that are to your liking. And we started sending out text messages to families, uh, alerting them about opportunities for youth in Milwaukee. We've had a focus in the past number of years and continue to in my administration on violence prevention and making sure that folks don't commit crimes in the first place. We work collaboratively with our state government, again, on a bipartisan basis, to try to push bills in the state house 
that could have an impact on individuals who, uh, quite frankly, shouldn't have access to guns. You know, not individuals who are exercising their Second Amendment right, but those folks who have poor track records, who have criminal records, who are domestic abusers and the like, and working to make sure that they, they don't get their hands on guns because they end up taking those weapons out and hurting people, including kids, uh, out in our neighborhoods. We have been working with law enforcement and our Department of Public Works to improve upon the physical infrastructure that we have here in the city, making it more difficult for people to drive recklessly in our city. And uh, most importantly, we've worked directly with neighbors across Milwaukee, working with neighbors, alerting them to the fact that they always have the ability to reach out, not just to their older person, uh, not just to the police, but they can report instances in their neighborhoods anonymously to our Crime Stoppers uh, phone number and help out to make sure that people know that the, the powers that be know about the problems that are going on so we can get them fixed. Yeah. I want to pull one thread of something, a couple of threads, what some things you talked about there, but one was, I, I don't know if anyone else has done this. I saw that you declared what's going on with your traffic as a public health emergency in Milwaukee. What was going on and what was that declaration designed to do? Yeah. So the first document that I signed when I came into this office as acting mayor back in December of 2021 was a declaration or proclamation declaring reckless driving a public safety crisis uh, here in the city of Milwaukee. And there are a number of reasons why we got to that point, I believe. And I believe the pandemic certainly uh, played a role in that. You had wide open streets and, and not very many people driving them. And so people thought that, hey, I can just do whatever I want. Even years before that, we had this policy in place whereby the police were not able to pursue people unless they committed some violent felony crime. Well, the unfortunate part of that for the vast majority of people who not who are not committing those crimes at the time, but still will drive recklessly, they take advantage of that. And then it permeates into driving culture. And then it creates this scenario where it seems like everybody is driving without regard, which is not safe for themselves. And it's not the best situation for the overall public safety. So we've been trying to quell uh, that situation. And my declaration called for all of government to work together to address the issue of reckless driving. So our uh, Department of City Development has been working to squeeze money out in places where they can. And our Department of Public Works has been working to put in infrastructure upgrades uh, on the streets of Milwaukee to address the issue of reckless driving, putting barriers in place to stop people from passing on the right, narrowing lanes down, forcing folks to stay in line, to stay in traffic, working to lower the speed limit citywide, and executing my uh, overall goal on a legacy project, which is to build a protective bike lane network throughout the entire city of Milwaukee in my term. That's what I want to see. That's good for reckless driving, but it's also good because it's an amenity that, you know, quite frankly, you know, young, talented, educated people who fall in love with the cities before they end up taking a job, those are the sort of amenities that they want to see. And that's exactly what we're building in Milwaukee. Yeah, I love that. And I, I wanted to raise the thing about the traffic and the traffic violations because it's a, it's happening all over the country. It's actually something, it's so discreet, but it's such a discreet issue maybe people don't think about. I think people know it wherever they are because of the pandemic had this, but the traffic fatalities have just gone off the charts all over the country. And so uh, I think you're a real model for for how, what you're doing with that. And I wanted to raise that. Another place where you really have been a model is your use of federal funds that have come to cities uh, and other localities through some of the amazing work that the Biden-Harris administration has done to invest in America, whether it's through the ARPA dollars or other dollars. Tell us a little bit about how you've led some of that kind of historic new monies to really make an impact in your community. 
Sure, uh, absolutely. I guess before I uh, go into that, I should add that on the issue of reckless driving, Milwaukee is actually the only the second community in the state of Wisconsin to be a Vision Zero community uh, as well. So that's a major part of our efforts to combat uh, reckless driving. As it relates to the federal funding that Milwaukee has received from President Joe Biden's administration, look, that money has been a godsend. It really, really has. I mean, if we had not received those federal funds, Milwaukee would have gone bankrupt. We would have fallen off of our fiscal cliff. We would not have had the space that we needed to go in and work in a bipartisan way in order to get that deal done. So we certainly in this community owe a, a, a huge debt of gratitude to President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris for their efforts to make sure that they saved American communities, especially cities. It really was the American Rescue Plan Act, and they really did rescue uh, Milwaukee. But we use that money not just to keep uh, the city afloat, we use it to invest uh, in our community as well. You see in in cities across the country, there's problems uh, with housing. I'm somebody who wants housing of all types. We're building a lot of luxury housing uh, in Milwaukee, and we need that because we want to attract people who have the means to, to live in those places, and we want to you know, have more peaks to our skyline. We're also uh, engaging on a zoning upgrade that will add middle housing. But as it relates to the uh, American Rescue Plan Act and other funds from the Biden administration, we've used a significant portion of those funds, millions and millions of dollars, to invest in city-owned tax-foreclosed properties that have no value to us. They're not on the tax rolls. In fact, they become a drain on our resources. We've got to send building inspectors. We've got to send police. We've got to send fire. We've got to shovel the snow. We've got to cut the grass. We've got to do all these things for these properties. Um, And so we're using American Rescue Plan Act funds to flip those houses using minority-owned contractors, minority developers. They're investing those dollars into those properties. They're upgrading them, and then they're selling them at even a further discount, affordable rates, to folks who are going to be uh, long-term uh, residents of those properties, stabilizing forces in those neighborhoods. That's just one, I think, really powerful example of how we've put American Rescue Plan Act funds to work in Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm just I'm being struck listening to you talk about the great work that you've done. You and you and I did a uh, press interview not that long ago together, talking to national press about what what it might mean if the government shut down and what the kind of impact that was going to have on your city, which was dramatic in ways people don't always think about in terms of veterans and elderly people and people who rely on the federal government every day. But so to contrast kind of what we're talking about with this amazing investment that you were able to use and turn into all the, the housing and things you're talking about versus a government that's, you know, right now, you know, we're worried about it shutting down every other day is a stark contrast, which kind of leads me into a, a question about politics, if you don't mind, which is, of course, you're sitting in a swing state. So all eyes are going to be on you as we turn here in the calendar of 2024. What are you seeing there politically? What do you think the mood is? Are people paying attention? And, and, and importantly, as we get closer and closer to November, I mean, this is such a high stakes election for democracy for so many things. What do you think is need to happen for Democrats to be successful in Milwaukee? I mean, sorry, in Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, I think that's key, though. Democrats have to be successful in Milwaukee in order to be successful in Wisconsin. And we've seen over the course of the last uh, number of elections, unfortunately, a drop off uh, in enthusiasm on the Democratic side where uh, folks, even though they're there and they have the ability to, to, to vote and they're registered to do it, they, for whatever reason, are not uh, getting up and going to let their voices be heard at the ballot box. That's something that we've got to correct. And I think a major way that we correct that is by making sure that the this, this story is told. President Joe Biden has an incredible, incredible story to tell. 
really, really does. Not just about how he saved the city of Milwaukee with the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, but also the investments that we're receiving to improve our infrastructure, make our streets safer, the resources that we're getting to improve our tree canopy and grow that in Milwaukee and connect people who live in the city with good paying jobs uh, in the clean economy. Uh, Stories uh, about how his desire to have electric vehicle charging stations across the United States is going to impact manufacturing right here in the city of Milwaukee. That means jobs and good paying jobs for people on the ground uh, here in this city. That means stories about how the Biden-Harris administration is working to remove lead surface laterals uh, from communities all across the United States, particularly here in the Midwest. And in uh, Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee's got literally half of all the lead surface lines uh, in the state. And the president's administration is working diligently to remove all of those from the ground. That means telling stories about how people who need access to health care are seeing record numbers of people sign up and get the coverage that they need. That means stories about how individuals who have some physical or health ailments and need things like insulin uh, have those prices capped at $35 a month. I mean, there's so many stories. And the president uh, and his administration, I think, need to do a better job, need to do a good job of telling that story. And they realize that, too. That's why here in Milwaukee, and not just here in Milwaukee, but across Wisconsin, we're seeing the administration and high-level officials from the administration come to tell that story. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not just relying on surrogates to tell that story. They are coming to Milwaukee, they are coming to Wisconsin, and they're telling that story themselves. And I think if they continue to do that, then we'll see success, not just in Milwaukee, that'll mean success in the state of Wisconsin. Do you think the stories, I hear you and I totally agree with you, it's important that they're getting out there. It feels like there's a little bit of a disconnect between the stories that we know that you just told beautifully and, um, you know, that, that exist in the great record to run on and and just how people are hearing it or, or learn, even knowing about it. I mean, is there anything else you would say about how to reach the, the voters and particularly young people in, in Milwaukee and Wisconsin, like how to have them hear the stories, not just tell the stories? Yeah, I think it's important to make sure you meet them where they are, right? Look, a lot of people are not watching the three former primary news stations as once was decades ago. There's so many different ways to reach voters, um, and we've got to do a a good job of reaching them where they're at, whether that's utilizing social media, whether it's Twitter, uh, whether it's Instagram, whether it's, you know, TikTok in in some cases. you got to find ways to reach them exactly where they where they are. And they've got to be able to see. That's the thing that, that I've come to find out in my uh, executive uh, position as mayor. Like folks want to be able to point to things and be able to see things in action. So when folks are able to see uh, transformations on the ground in the neighborhoods in which they live, and you put Joe Biden's name next to that, uh, if uh, that's appropriate, that'll be, that's something that, that gets folks thinking like, hey, wow, uh, the president of the United States has really made an impact. So meeting them where they are and getting projects done that they actually can see and feel. Uh, those things, I think, help to make the difference. I think that's right. I want to circle back to you for a second, if I can, because we didn't, I wanted to just dive in on this a little bit. We mentioned already that you you grew up in Milwaukee, you know, that you grew up in urban, was familiar with urban poverty and a lot of what you experienced, a lot of your residents are experiencing. And I, I've just been really struck listening to you since you've been a New Deal leader how you're able to talk about those stories and tell those stories and relate to people. And um, you're also the first black mayor elected in the city of Milwaukee. So just in terms of thinking about like how you 
think about your lived experience or bring your lived experience to 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 your job as mayor and how that informs your your thinking about your role as mayor? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my lived experience and I think the African American experience in this community certainly informs the decisions that I make uh, in this office, the partnerships that I try to embark on and the projects that we're able to get done in Milwaukee. I I know that uh, in this city, they used to say that uh, once by a time, because Milwaukee was known as the machine shop of the world, they used to say that once by a time, all you needed to have a good job, a good career uh, in Milwaukee was an alarm clock and a strong back. Just because we had, you know, just this dearth of of good paying family supporting jobs in heavy manufacturing. But when those jobs dried up, when they went to right to work states uh, down south or they went you know, overseas for cheap labor, it left you know, many of those neighborhoods and the workers you know, sort of in the lurch, holding the bag. And that uh, precipitated generations of poverty, which also then generated violence. But I know that when folks have access, when folks have opportunity, when folks have access to good paying jobs, those things turn around. You can those things, uh, those negative things will subside. Stability flows from those things. And from that stability flows neighborhood safety, the public safety that all of us really want. All these things are interconnected. And I know that African-Americans that moved uh, to Milwaukee, especially during the Great Migration, really were looking forward to having the opportunity to be a part of those uh, heavy manufacturing jobs, to have their piece of the American dream. But unfortunately, again, some of that uh, opportunity faded away uh, with globalization and the like. But that doesn't mean that good paying jobs are not here, not available. So I'm constantly trying to alert people, not just adults, but also young people in Milwaukee as well, to the fact that, look, we've got a ton of, of opportunity in union, the union trades rather building things that you can't, jobs that you can't export, things you have to do with your body, things you have to do with your hands. Those are good paying family supporting jobs on the ground right now. I was just speaking uh, the other day with Northwestern Mutual, which is the the largest corporation uh, in Wisconsin. And a couple of years ago, they built this wonderful tower in Commons that transformed our skyline downtown Milwaukee. Well, the people that built that tower, uh, many of them lived in neighborhoods like the ones that I grew up in. I want to see more development like that, that brings people uh, who live in challenged neighborhoods in so that they can see what they built, show their kids, show their grandkids, have pride and have stability in a career where they're able to go on to the next project and the next project and build, build, build. So that's very important. The other thing I think uh, is really important that I take from my lived experience is the importance of uh, mentorship programs. I mean, if it were not for the programs I was involved with uh, growing up, whether it was uh, a sponsor, a scholar program, Teen Action Council, Youth in Government program, that we're probably not sitting here having this conversation. Uh, there certainly would be a mayor, but it probably wouldn't be me. And so we've taken that experience and created a whole new mentoring and workforce development program here in Milwaukee called Camp Rise. In fact, Milwaukee, we may be the only large city in the United States that's doing workforce development with kids as young as 10 years old. And those are values that we bring to the mayor's office that I think are having an impact in neighborhoods uh, across the city. Yeah, I've seen you. I know that important to you is to go talk to kids where they are in schools. I saw a really moving, I think it was a news article covering you talking to one of the a student body somewhere and they were interviewing the kids after you were there. And this little boy said, you know, first of all, across the board, they were just so excited they met the mayor. They couldn't believe they met the mayor. And somebody, just to your point about how you got into this, you know, said to the camera, hey, maybe I, I could be mayor someday. That's pretty exciting. And so maybe talk a little bit about just like why it's important for you to not just 
do the amazing things you're talking about from a programmatic level with the city, but like you personally investing your time to go out and talk to the youth of your city. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in classrooms and schools uh, across Milwaukee. Uh, in fact, in the last week, I think I've been to three schools already. So and with, with many, many more to go, I think it's incredibly important. Look, I'm the first uh, black person, the first minority to be elected mayor, first person of color to be elected mayor in the city of Milwaukee. I should not be the last. I won't be the last. But it's important for young people to see me because they should be able to see the reflection in the highest office in the city. They should be able to see the reflection in all places and know that just because they were born into a neighborhood that may have uh, some trying times, that they were born into a family that may have some trying instances, that that does not define them and that does not define the places that they can or will go in life. Oftentimes we'll tell you know our, our young people that I'm, while I'm here and I'm mayor and that's great, like there's nothing inherently special about me. You know, there isn't. I mean, I, I grew up in the same neighborhoods, had the same challenges, went to the same schools, and I'm here. So there's no reason at all that these young people who have more access, more knowledge, uh, more things at their fingertips than I had also cannot achieve great things. Not that they have to be mayor. Uh, everyone doesn't want to do that. But they should know that the world is their oyster and they can do whatever it is that they please to do. So I think it's, it's very important for me to show up, not just in their classroom, but on their block. And I still knock on doors a lot as mayor. I know that's not a typical thing for mayors to do, but I enjoy doing it. And I want to work to make sure that kids, especially our kids, especially our young people in Milwaukee, see themselves in this seat, see themselves in this office. Well, and you make it so accessible. They ask you tough questions, too. What's a what's a tough question a student asked you recently? Oh, you know, uh, probably one of the. I mean, they ask they do ask really good questions. Um, uh, they've asked questions about like my the the time commitment that it takes to be mayor. Like, what are some of the biggest challenges, the biggest hurdles that I have to you know seek to overcome as mayor? They ask questions about the budget. They ask questions about uh, city government functions. They've asked questions about my family and if. I get to see them uh, as much as I would like. Of course, the answer is no on that. They even uh, are wise enough to ask questions about like, you know, my favorite restaurant, which I'm like, I can't answer that. I mean, no mayor can answer that question. <laughs> I can say that would get you nothing but trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to maybe end with one question, which is I just found super fun when we were doing our research here for, to interview you. You just, you being Mil the city of Milwaukee, just turned 178 very recently, last week or two, just such an interesting and fabulous number. So if you had a sentence or two that you would tell us for your vision of where Milwaukee will be in the next 178 years, of course, we don't know what, you know, however you want to answer that question. What's, what's your, what's your vision for the, for the next, the next 178 years of Milwaukee? In the next 178 years, I expect that Milwaukee will fully come uh, into its own, that it would have already had come into its own. People from across the United States, people from across the world will be flocking to Milwaukee. They'll want to come here for our quality of life, for the amazing amenities that we have, for the major league sports, for the uh, housing choices that we have to experience our Great Lakes, to experience the urban recreation that we have in our rivers and our urban forests here. I think that businesses will look to relocate uh, to Milwaukee. I think that people fleeing other places, unfortunately, due to some of the changes that we see in climate will we'll migrate uh, to Milwaukee. I think that Milwaukee will be a city of a million people, if not more than that, in the next 178 years. It's going to be the place to be in 178 years, I guarantee you. 
You hear you heard it here first. <laughs> you, heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Well, Mayor, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And now we all need to come visit Milwaukee for sure. I really appreciate not just you being here today, but all you do for your city and um, as a national leader as well. So thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. Thanks to the team at New Deal for producing this episode. We encourage you to bring honor to public service. And because we keep things honorable, no tax dollars are used in the making of this podcast.